Jawohl. Du, du. The man and the way. Hello everybody and welcome to the Big Screen Podcast. I'm Will Templer and with me as always is Theodore Stokes. Hello Theo. Hello. This has been a long time coming. <laughs> this is this is this has been the work for ages. We rescheduled this and this is no exaggeration, it must have been about ten times, right? Well yeah, we were meant to do this like last Friday. <laughs> yeah. And then we I think we've agreed to do it on every single day since then until now, which is the Saturday after. Yeah, the Saturday, oh my god. That's like eight days. Eight days. Eight reschedules. Oh dear god. Um but yeah, today we were gonna be doing like new releases, so I think we actually had like a list of about six things and then we wheeled it down to four, then three. And then I was like, oh, I'm sad. One. <laughs> so, this is yeah. a great one. Exactly. Not only have we slashed the recording edit time, but we've also slashed the list of movies that we're going to be reviewing today. Uh, so, Phil, would you like to reveal what movie we are reviewing today, just in case someone is blind and cannot see the thumbnail and the title and the description? Today, we are reviewing The Batman. So yeah, the Batman, very acclaimed film. Uh, Robin Pattinson as the Batman, titular role. Uh, so talk about the cinema experience because the audience do like a bit of this when we watch new releases. So uh, what was the cinema experience like for you? It's pretty similar to mine, to be fair. But yeah, I'll so let you explain. Yeah, we went at the same time. Yes, we um, we did go with Cole was, as well. Yeah. Oh, we did. Yeah, we did go with Cole. It was. I think it was very nice. It was your first time in a showcase. Yes. Everyone was respectful. Oh no, there was that one person who started talking. Actually, wasn't there? To be fair, she was saying, uh, "Oh, you wish." So maybe she was being assaulted, and we didn't know, and we were telling her to shut up. But she was actually well, we crying didn't. for help. Someone just yelled, "Shut the fuck up!" Oh, oh that's true. Yeah. yeah. I do feel like, oh, hmm, that doesn't sound too good. And that was during the really emotional scene, wasn't it, uh, between um, Bruce and his butler? And I was like, oh. God, this is such a quite like scene as well, emotional, and you're ruining it. The emotional like climax yeah. of their relationship, and then it's Alfred, just you wish. Hell, I forgot his name. Yeah, you wish. Alfred. But other than that, I think it was a really good audience. Oh yeah, there was, there was not a lot of cheering. Oh, there was some clapping at the end actually. Oh yeah, you? and then you looked at me and Cole, and you're like, oh, and then Cole was like, oh, I hate you when people do that. Then <laughs> <laughs> you just started clapping more intensely. Yeah. Because we talked about View last time, because uh, that was your first time at a View. Showcase is bloody fantastic. <laughs> it's lovely. Yes, the seats we had were superb. They're slightly different uh, to the ones that I had uh, the second time round, but that was because I was slightly lower. But yeah, I'm intrigued to know, which experience did you prefer, View or Showcase? Um, I think Showcase is because the seats were a lot nicer. Mission failed. We'll get them next time. <laughs> the view was nice though, like it's better than the Odeon. Like, like it's oh, definitely it's, it's, it's not like it's hard to be better than the Odeon. It's yeah. the one in Bristol. But the view was very was very lovely and it was Yeah. A lot posher than I thought it was gonna be. It's not posh. It was pretty posh. It's not posh. Anyway, that's the cinema experience. Uh that was the first time. What was the second time? Like did it, the film improve or get worse, or did you see like different things the second time around? Um 
I think I still really appreciate it and I really liked it the second time around because obviously knowing mm. the twists and turns it was taking, I could kind of relax a bit more. Because the yes. first time you watch it, you're trying to figure out the mystery. As you're going along, you're like, oh, what's what's the plan? What's the motives? Like, well, yeah. we know, obviously, who the Riddler is, but, like, you want to know who he is. Mm. And then watching it the second time around, you already know all this. So you can just kind of relax and enjoy the film rather than trying to put together the mystery. Yeah. I found myself the second time around, because it's such a popular film, and when something's, you know, really, really acclaimed, I think you do go looking out for those little flaws in a film. Oh, yeah. So the second time around, you know, I had seen more criticisms of the film since, and I was like, you know what, this has problems. I could think of about a handful of problems with it, like the first time I watched it, and I'm sure we'll get into it eventually. Um, But the second time around, I was like, okay, that wasn't so good, that wasn't so good, that wasn't so good. But it's still a bloody great film, and that's what makes it difficult, because in my head, it's a four out of five, but in my heart, it's a bit higher than that, you know? Like yeah. it's, a, it's a very good film, but sometimes you just have to appreciate the greatness of how it was made because technically, this couldn't have been made much better, in my opinion. Like the, the, like, the direction and cinematography and the actions sequences and whatever, it, fantastic, it is like goddamn gorgeous. Yes, and I love the moment where you know um, he drops like a smoke bomb or whatever, and then he just pounces out with the smoke. That's so cliche, not cliche. But, you know, that's so standard Batman. Batman. Exactly. You expect that kind of stuff from Batman. So when it happened, I was like, at least they're doing this. That kind of pays homage to all the other Batmans because every single Batman film that I've seen, at least, has that. But, yeah, where do you want to start, Theo? Uh, should we start with um, uh, Bat... Bat what, what do they call him now? Batterson. Oh, Batterson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to talk about the lead, the emo yeah. teen himself. The Nirvana listening Bruce Wayne yes. that is Robert Pattinson. He was in the Twilight films, right? Yes. Have you seen the Twilight films? You seem like the kind of man who would just because you watched a little letterbox. I have seen your letterbox, but you lock so much I can't keep up. I'm on my third watch of them all. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> What's he like in the Twilight uh, franchise? Then? Um, he's <laughs> oh. all right. Yeah. I, I mean, mean the Twilight films aren't very good anyway, right? So, well, that's debatable. But <laughs> oh, okay. But no, Robert Pattinson is like, I, th- I think he's good in it. Like, he's, he's playing a weird character, so it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, he does as well. Like, if you watch the first Twilight, you'll see what I mean. Yeah, Pattinson. I don't know if it's to say this is Pattinson's best performance because the lighthouse does exist, mm. even though I know you don't like it that much. But his performance is still, I think still amazing he's a it's like, a really stark contrast between him and um or Kristen bell's batman as well or like um bruce they're so different Kristen bell is like this playboy really rich really confident and cocky we have mm. Patterson, who's very more reclusive he's very more you know emotionally scarred from his parents death and you can definitely see that throughout the film and that's why you have like is it the commissioner's son the mayor's son the mayor's son the mayor's son of course Uh, we keep going back to him and you have that kind of theme and well my point was was that patterson delivers it so superbly in his performance the emotion the raw emotion and when he goes to save the mayor's kids i was really like happy because First of all, that car's trajectory was never going to hit the kid. 
but he still went to save the kid anyway. So I did appreciate that. And that I think is like yeah. the best Batman moment for him. And he's Bruce mm. Wayne still. Exactly. Like after I watched it, and even before I watched it, you know the clip where he draws everyone out of like the the wreckage after the war has flooded the city and whatever. Yeah, and, the flag. Yeah. And then this little girl on the stretcher, and then he holds onto her until the last possible seconds, and everyone was saying like, "This is how Batman should be portrayed, his character to a T in the comics." So I can mm. definitely back the perspective that the Batman here is a really good portrayal. But I do wonder if this kind of vibe of like emo reclusive protagonist is going to be a thing in many more movies because if you think back to June. Uh, Timothy Chalmay's character is very similar to uh, Bruce Wayne in this film. Oh, we want to make a film dark. Add an emo characteristic to the protagonist. I don't know, but I'm not a huge fan, to be honest. And that's why I do prefer Kristen Bale's Bruce, even though I, in retrospect, this is a slight tangent, but in retrospect, well, it's not a tangent really, but you know, The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I loved past tense that film but then i watched a clip just because i wanted to see how this film compared to the dark knight trilogy so i watched batman begins and i thought you know what this still holds up really well the story is very good the action you know is phenomenal so yeah batman begins very good film in my opinion there's one or two things that could have been better of course but still very good film Dark Knight Rises, I haven't rewatched that, but I know it's great. Everyone would agree that it's great, except from Luke, who I went to the cinema with, who's bloody rated really low again. Fuck that guy. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> if Luke, if you're listening to this, love you, mate. Sorry. Um, but then I watched a clip from The Dark Knight Rises, and I thought, holy crap, this looks shit. Towards the end, when they go into the big museum building thing, oh, and, yeah, that, and the whole city's fighting. fighting yeah, that looks absolutely dreadful. And I didn't, you know, notice the ears of the design of Batman in The Dark Knight Rises until I saw that clip and I thought, holy crap, that head's mask looks so bad compared to Robert Pattinson's mask. So just the general aesthetic and the design of Batman and Pattinson in this film is much better. And I do like the touch of how they added the eyeliner. So it really hmm. makes him dark, like, throughout. So the bits that the mask don't cover it's still black around the eyes so yeah that's superb what do you think i talked for a lot there um yeah i really think that like that this, the costume if we were to talk about the costume i, I really mm. love the dress the like drifter aesthetic it goes for and like the mm. kind of more like detective kind of aspect to it like it's not all just, well it's like bulletproof and armor proof but like has like the knife in it yeah and like he has the contact lenses so he can review the footage mm. and stuff like that and also like the boots love the boots how that's like Every time you like, he comes on screen, you just hear like the squelching of the boots on the floor. It, you can see why the criminals are horrified of him. <laughs> I, that scene where he just walks out in the beginning, you just hear the squelch, and it's like, oh god. Oh wow, the tube station. Yeah, that was superb. The whole opening sequence, I think, is just like fantastic with the voiceover. I love the voiceover, by the way. Yeah, but it's so funny to me. The second time around, I was like, oh, it's coming, it's coming, and then I laughed when it's like. I am the shadows. I was like, this is so overly dramatic for no reason, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like, love um, the shadows. Years of fighting in the dark and made me a nocturnal animal. 
you're falling back into twilight here yeah it's superb it's over the top but again i love it it's still great and i love the line that i unironically love but i i love i am the shadows unironically i just think that's like a pretty funny moment anyway yeah as well exactly but the scene that well not the scene the line that sticks out for me is it's a warning to them regarding the light in the sky it's just a phenomenal little sequence and uh yeah it really the establishes the tone so of this good. like even with like the bits of the beginning with the riddler spying on the mayor like it immediately gets you like in the zone for it and like, i was I love how just huge jump, on just how he plays into it. it yeah i wasn't huge on how he pounced on him like he was like very quiet and then ah like he was i can't recall the actor's name who plays paul Dano. paul Dano. right we've seen prisoners right yeah i love prisoners very good film he's good in it for the limited stuff that he's got i think the makeup in that film is superb but that's besides the point this film i think he maybe it's because we don't see many insane people like in our day-to-day life so when we see it on the big screen it looks a bit out of place but to me it was a bit cringe is the word i'm looking for when he was on the phone on facetime and he started screaming into the phone i thought this is hammy and this is cringe and he's shouting at the top of his lungs but it's not translated well on a film in my opinion i was like come on mate like you can announce yourself but then there's just breaking your silence to be obnoxiously loud like when uh we went to the cinema me and luke the second time around he actually caught up with um his pod his podcast co-host like out of the blue this is the first time they've seen each other for like eight months or something like that and then fred who's the name of uh his co-host said that because i asked him what do you think of the batman and he said good but towards the end, when the Riddler starts singing to Batman, he started laughing at the cinema. And I was like, yeah, that five, ten second period is pretty bad and cringe. And I'm glad that I'm not alone in that. So a lot of people have been saying that Paul wasn't great. I do like the scenes in his interrogation room where he was a bit more sane. And again, I think that fits into, you know, insanity being portrayed on film or whatever. But I think he delivered like really good lines and really well delivered as well in that interrogation scene until he starts screaming, until he starts singing. But yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think? I liked the bits where he was absolutely silent as well. So again, more subtlety. So you see it through his eyes and his, you know, expression. Is he smiling or whatever? But when he was screaming, I was just there. I was not for that. See. I quite liked his performance personally. I like that because with the Riddler, he's an odd character to kind of portray. Like, because he's not in the comics, he's not exactly wacky, but he's still got that kind of quality. If that makes sense. Mm. And like, you can okay. see like Jim Carrey tries to capture that in Batman Forever and stuff, and it and it doesn't work there. But mm. I think if I like Paul opting to go for more like unstable or like unhinged version of him i think worked pretty well how he can go from being like like in the interrogation scene like you're saying he's talking to batman about like oh how we're partners and like you can see he's he actually believes that in things like he actually believes that they work together mm. in his own delusion and then when he's like when he says we're not partners like you're just a nobody then he snaps yeah and i like that because it shows that he's not like like he's a fanboy of batman and that's 
kind of what I love about this film is that he's just one massive fan fanboy. But when like what, yeah, when Twelve gets shattered, is I I can understand why he starts screaming and stuff. And I really like it. And then because when obviously it goes from all the screaming to then him like going, oh, we were going to watch this whole thing play out, and then Batman doesn't clock it, and then he's yeah. like, oh, I really gave you more credit, and it's like, oh, that's the like change of like the when power he breaks dynamics. him down exactly. And you then see, the singing I, like I thought was stuff, just yeah. kind of funny, and I thought it kind of made sense for his character just to be like he's being interrogated. So what's he going to do to not give out the information? He's just going to start singing. Yeah, I do like the final final scene where he's with the Joker, actually, and he's like the Joker saying, "Oh, that should be you." He's raining on your parade. Let's team up. And then everyone I've seen it's like, "Oh, that is so looking for the sequel so much." But I actually really like that scene because yeah, I didn't only, mind it. Exactly. Like it not only teases the sequel well, in my opinion. Like that's the box standard average tease for the next film in any kind of genre. So yeah, you can forgive it for that. But how it explores that the Riddler should have been the guy in power and well I'm sure we'll get to uh, the deleted scene shortly, but uh the Joker has this kind of respect for Riddler mm. and understands his kind of plans and his you know psyche and really wanted him to succeed and batman to fail for once and that scene at the end really you know cements that i guess and i do really like it but uh it just depends on how the sequel goes because i'm really intrigued i really want that film to come out soon yeah, yeah, the, the, the riddler had like good riddles in this one like his riddles actually made sense and were tricky enough to where the police wouldn't be able to like get it immediately where batman's just like yeah he lies still yeah at the very first moment of the film we get introduced to the was it the carpenter you know the thing that is his attack weapon but also lifts up carpets exactly so like a carpenter if it's like a real thing maybe a carpenter would notice oh that's a thing maybe he uses that to dig up the the copy or whatever when i was watching the first time i was like okay this is going from one to another to another like mystery very easily it's like okay they read it out and then batman's like oh hey i know this or something like that like very consecutively but then the second time i realized that but there was a bit more depth to it than that than i had initially expected so the second time i was like oh that connects to that and that connects to that and it's like not really clear and then at the end it actually has payoff which i really respect so it's very intricate well it's not very intricate it's just like a really well written script i suppose i hate when people say the word intricate to <laughs> make them sound so mm. clever no it's like a it's still a really well written script and uh, there's things that i didn't really notice until the second time around and maybe there's even more that i wouldn't notice until the first time around but yeah really I was, good script. i was about to say did mm. you like i was talking about like how riddler's like a fanboy of batman and like is trying to work with him yeah well like and like obviously the film draws parallels between them mm. and there's more on that in like the deleted scene stuff which is like deleted scenes weird because it kind of tells you what you could what it tells you the answers to what you figure out if you just watch the film yes the, the beginning where riddler's in for the binoculars Mm. Well, on the second time around, I noticed that when Batman's spying on Selina, like in the flat, it's exactly it the same. almost the, it's exactly the same like setup, and like it looks the same, and it's just that little detail like tying them together with the binoculars. I just on the second time around, I was like, oh, that's neat. Like you're already starting to hint that there's like 
something between these two and that they're already like tr- like tying parallels to each other yes and big plus the music as well like the musical motifs when things happen i love how when batman comes on screen you just have the theme tune blaring out oh <laughs> like the soundtrack every time. the soundtrack is super i've it's, been listening to it on spotify like in my spare time it's great it's so good and something in the way as is i was hesitant about a nirvana song being used in a batman film but they used it like at the right points yeah because me and, and Cole oh. were talking about it before the first time we uh, watched it and we were just sat down and we were like talking about music in films because of course he wants to be a composer one day because he's into music and whatever and basically i asked him in black widow did you like the moment where i think it was oh, Nirvana yeah, or like something plays uh, uh, uh it smells like teen spirit that's uh, i don't know who sang that um, uh nirvana as well yeah okay i thought so but um i asked him if he liked it and he said no i bloody hate it so i was like oh, okay and then when the song came on in the film in batman i was like oh god i wonder if he's gonna enjoy this and then at the end of the film i asked him oh so did you mind that and he's like yeah bloody loved it and i was like two ends of the spectrum there i'm not sure what to think about that because they were very similarly utilized i think like the black widow one wasn't egregious in the respect the that black widow one was like a shitty cover though like it wasn't That's Nirvana fair. singing it. it was like the pretentious oh we're gonna get a female singer to yeah. like add something new to it instead of just playing the like Nirvana one which I assume to my knowledge the Batman uses I think the composer uploaded it to YouTube and I think it is it's the original song but it's a revamped version for the film to like fit in with the film score so it's very slowed down a bit it's a bit more ambienty. so it's like very consistent with the other songs around it in the theme not in the theme track the bloody soundtrack so uh, that's why it sounds very similar because yeah. yeah something in the way that bat like the batman's theme like is so memorable yeah you walk away from it just like going <laughs> yeah that's the yeah well do you want to, do you want to like go to a negative maybe yeah sorry short we did just wake up before this well about an hour before this so we are very tired audience of yeah i may still people. not be just let, let in bed right now are you still <laughs> i heard your quote there adjusting the quote oh this is comfier <laughs> i was like yeah i'm gonna get like, i'm gonna take it but i'm gonna get loose and limber for this one. Oh, loose but um yeah like same here i told you that i have no notes today so unless you're just freestyling this and it just feels more natural you know it's just, just feel, it feels nice just to like because it's, it's something with like the structure of having a structure is like you have something to fall back on but when you just go for it then the conversations i feel more natural more natural yeah and if we can like uh like you like you mentioned like if we can like recall in like one place exactly it'd be a, it'd be a lot better because again facial cues because like you Oh, you yeah. So the audience of the Big Dream Podcast, I am pleased to announce that well, this is an exclusive to the people that have listened this far in, like maybe 25, 20 minutes into the episode. Twenty-five. Um we are starting from next month, hopefully, so starting from our next episode. We should be recording in person in a free feet locker room kind of thing in the middle of nowhere not in the middle of nowhere in the middle of a big room but it's a small room in the corner and it's meant to be like a recording sound booth and so we're going to get two chairs and a table in there somehow 
and we're going to add a oh, what do you call it a microphone in there and then yeah so that should be interesting but i think it will help because i i'm a listener of the exterminating dog 2 podcast by Aidan gula and george ellis go watch it it's very good um and they record in salford university audio uh, like booths not booths but like they've got this whole room set up and it literally looks like a professional podcast setup. and every single week their audio is fantastic and i listened back to indiana jones review about a day after it's like the actual content very good but the audio quality can be better if you know what i mean so like mm. if you watch something like so superbly recorded and then you listen to what we make ours is still good but we can make a significant like a small change that makes a significant improvement so from next month next episode we should be able to do that and hopefully the audio is far better even though it's not bad so yeah that should be fun thanks for mentioning that yeah get the get the hype going yes of course i can't wait to intently stare into your eyes as we talk about her films oh do uh, you like how michael myers killed that person intently stares i'm going to do it to you just freya walks in and it's just us in the fucking soundproof <laughs> room <laughs> imagine being in her point of view for that that would be hilarious it's like what the hell are you doing it's what just like fuck? what the fuck i love that audio tip <laughs> what the fuck what the fuck all right back to the batman um anyway i've got a negative okay negatives i'm not big fan of the ending Neither am I. It leaves a bit to be like a bit to be desired. It kind of just ends, and it's also like you could have ended it. Like looking back on it retrospectively, you could have ended it when the the speech with the girl being lit on the helicopter. Like I thought that would be a nice way to like end it with Batman like going, "Oh, I need to be something better. I need to be better than vengeance." And then it just cut to the credits. But I know they had to tie up the whole Selena Carl subplot mm. line, but I feel like it could have been done better. Yes. And it ending with just them on the motorbikes. I I get like the reps, the symbolism of them driving there, like they're going their different ways, their parting ways, going down the different paths. But it just felt a bit like, oh, we're ending here. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's like you know when a film is ending because they're kind of saying their goodbyes, and then this long panel, long little scene is going on for a bit too long, and then it cuts to the title mm. cards, and then. I've been noticing that more and more with like recent films and I do think it's a really good technique it's like okay so end on a good note and then just reminds people of the film that they were watching and whatever with the title card and I agree with you I think it was very well not very but it was quite flat but exactly what would you cut out because you have to have this, not that you don't have to have the symbolism but again if they're going to establish Selena and Bruce as these two different entities in two different places and you have to have that moment or in the film or a tv show whatever selena gets maybe have an explanation of what happens in between at the start or do like a prequel or like a mini movie like a short film short prequel thing like 10 minutes just to show what happened off screen otherwise um something like that but i think it ended well i just didn't like the flooding sequence as much as other people did apparently i didn't mind it because initially i didn't like it because i didn't think there was enough set up for it and i still don't think there was enough no, but that's I the agree. one thing this film also has a flaw is it doesn't set things up right 
like no. the whole venom thing at the end where he gets like the adrenaline boost and the like the the, the gotham is basically underwater yeah there's like a few shots where you can see like the dam when they're at the um the iceberg lounge i noticed at the same time around that you can see a couple of shots and it's like oh okay so they do tell you but because it's not it's not complaining but because it's so dark hmm. and hard to see every like every little detail it makes it a little bit harder to see that that's underwater hmm. and they don't really like they even just having like a news broadcast or something just like talking about it would just be like give the audience like a clue of oh yeah the gotham's underwater like that, exactly. that's just a common thing with this gotham one person i did absolutely miss though was michael kane as alfred i what? like alfred in this scene and uh, in this film however i don't know who the actor is haven't seen him in much if anything andy circus i think he's yeah i think he did a good job wow he he's he, like the green screen man he plays Gollum. He plays um, Maybe Caesar and Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I've seen Planet of the Apes, to be fair. He was absolutely underutilized in this film compared to Michael Caine, in my opinion. And Most definitely. I think I spoke to you about this, but you know the voiceover. I loved that. However, I would have really loved a lot of that to be you know, adapted and actually turned into dialogue in scenes with Alfred. Like I was thinking about how he was speaking and I was like this is very conversational why doesn't he say this to Alfred like in different ways of course so, like you can't just say to Alfred I am the shadows it's because <laughs> he's writing in his journals he's writing in his journals yeah but why not impart that to Alfred give him a bit more personality and in this film I think they try to make Alfred a bit more cold because he keeps saying oh you're not my father and then when uh, they're in the hospital scene he initially says oh, why did you lie to me? And then Alfred looks absolutely heartbroken and that's where we get the turn and that's where the relationship starts building it up again. And I, so I get in that respect that they portray Bruce to be more cold to Alfred, Alfred than in the Dark Knight trilogy. So I guess the development is absolutely spawned in that respect. But I still think some of that dialogue could have been imparted to alfred or somebody else at least but i really wanted it to be alfred because not only could it work with alfred but alfred isn't a main part of this film for better or for worse because i'm not huge on the actor um for what he was given but again that's just because of the content he was given i think the hospital scene was fantastic but all the scenes of the bat cave i thought michael kane could have ate this scenery up so much i love well i don't love michael kane i i think he's a very good actor but i don't think he's done you know above and beyond everyone else i think he's perfectly good capable actor i know my nan and granddad hate him but uh, yeah i really wish he was in this film i really missed him did you um yeah i think michael kane like kind of set the standards for offwards because yeah the joke of like everything can be turned into a speech kind of mm. got a bit tiring after a while like like the jewel of the nile or whatever the fuck he was talking yeah. about in dark knight but this alfred yeah he just felt really underutilized and i remember saying that to you afterwards i just yeah. i said i loved all the characters but i felt like alfred was really sidelined in this i think a lot of things were sidelined and so the focus is definitely on batman the story was completely about batman pretty much so things like commissioner gordon the mayor alfred and his father and mother like all that stuff wasn't like in batman begins we actually see that happen and in this film they don't they rather just have the portrayal of trauma 
through the kids and whatever, through his eyes and through the kids and his relationship with the kids or what that sounds off. But you know, his mm. character the relationship die. Um so yeah, the story was most definitely on Batman and not everyone else. So some things were sidelines and the overriding mystery. It was portrayed it let's be honest, it's a very good film. It's borderline fantastic, right? And mm. how they did things is superb, regardless of how we would change things to make it better in our view. Like, we can say, oh, this would be better, this would be better. But if they actually did it, would it be better? Could we be reviewing that kind of film, like, with the problems we have suddenly resolved? And then we could still criticize it. So it's, again, yeah. a case of it's so popular that we're looking for things to, you know, take digs at. But ultimately, the film that they gave us is quite superb i can't really think of much to criticize but what we have spoke about i would have just preferred you know slight tweaks on how they did it because i do think some things didn't get the limelight and i do hope i again i just think would i want them to return to the dark knight trilogy kind of format in terms of how they did the characters and whatever i just think they should go along the route that they want to do tell the story that um the director and the writers want to do with the batman and its subsequent sequels and i just think the dark knight trilogy will always be there and i think the dark knight trilogy absolutely bangs it out of the park maybe not with the third one but with the first two they are very good films and i think they do each character justice absolutely but i would love to see the batman sequel return to that but again i trust the creatives to produce the best film possible i don't know about you yeah i think it's in good hands judging from this one Let's go to the Penguin. Okay, the Penguin, the scarred man himself. Uh, yeah, he's involved in one of my favourite scenes. Well, my favourite scene from the film and one of my favourite scenes from any movie. Do you know which one I'm on about? Is it by any chance the car chase that I got you? Yes. I got you. Oh, that is superb. And not just for the moment where, you know, the explosions come up and the Batmobile comes and emerges from the flames. Because that bit's not awesome, of course. The, dun, 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 yeah. Dun, dun. The whole sequence is superb. And, you know, you think, oh, what's he going to do? And then he breaks. And then you didn't expect that. And then, it, oh, they're just the aftermath of that. And I just thought that's not only choreographed so well because they can't actually so perfectly as well and the music throughout this film was superb and i know michael the uh previous co-host of this thing he says the music that he said the music was mediocre and i couldn't disagree more yeah this soundtrack is like this soundtrack is superb in my opinion i was literally working this morning and i had the soundtrack on and then I was just baking some bread, and then all I hear is dun dun, and I just thought, oh, okay. Very intense bread. Yeah, very intense baking of breads. Oh, God. Yeah, it was hard mastication. No, mastication? Master baking. Mm. Yes, that's <laughs> master baking. What is mastication? Because I know what masturbation is, but what's mastication? I, I've never kind of um, researched that. The, the process of emasculating someone? Or what the hell does that someone? mean? Emasculating uh, is if I like. Is like when people make you feel less like a man. Make me feel less like a man feel. Um, uh, uh, short. No, I'm not. <laughs> you're half and my height. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, I was about Penguin. What, what did you like? I liked his layer as well. His kind of 
Bates. Oh yeah, the iceberg lounge made a lot of that sense thing, for Penguin yeah. in this, like mm. in this setting, because he's met. Like, who's the only other Penguin we've really got in like the mainstream was Danny DeVito's in um, Batman uh, Returns. Okay, and that's a very different Penguin to what we see here because he's like this sewer dweller, and he's actually like a monster monster. Like he has webbed hands, he has sharp teeth. Whereas this one's meant to be just he's a bit of a bloke who looks has a bearing resemblance to a penguin so they call him penguin what's the resemblance in this film I, I never kind of got it if um, that was what they were well he for. waddles like he what like he waddles like like a penguin does i noticed that that's second point, time yeah. around and he obviously has like the nose okay. but that's like what the comics do but toning it down a bit because in the comics he's not like some creature he's just some penguin looking dude i only assumed he waddled because he was on like the larger side and you know when you're like, I, like yeah, that's always been the penguins thing as well. He's always been because he's maybe like a mobster and like the typical like gangster you think of as like a larger exactly. Human. But he does have like a bit of a waddle to him. Yes. Okay, that's fair. He he was serviceable. Like he was really creepy. Yes. Yeah, that's he was really creepy, and he he did serve the plot well. And I didn't know he was in this film. I don't know. That's just because they either didn't advertise or my negligence. But when he came out, I was like, oh, okay, come on, Falcons here. And again, they kind of tied... Did they not like, show me the into... trailers? I don't think they did. Oh, okay. I, I, I have no memory. Like, I remember the Penguin, uh, Catwoman, and Riddler in the trailers, but I cannot remember Carmine Falcone being in the trailers. Mm. It gave me, like, Jack vibes from Last Night in Soho, did Falcone. I think they're yeah. very similar charismatic actors, Matt Smith and whoever played Falcone in this film. I'm sure you can help me out with the name. Uh, no, I, I know the actor because I've only really ever seen him in comedies. But seeing uh, him in this more serious role, I was like, oh, he can act. Yeah, but Falcon and Penguin were well cast, in my opinion. They didn't have loads to do, but a funny moment at the end, towards the end of the film, is when Selena goes to shoot him from pretty much point black range, and then she shoots him, and then he just ducks out of the way and it misses. And I think there is no, like, when you fire a bullet, it's pretty much instant that it would you know get to you so there's not enough room for you to duck so i every time i've rewatched it which is one time i just I, <laughs> every I, time one time I, yes i just laughed because i was like what the fuck is that but yeah did you notice that um yeah but then again guns and films are like really wacky when it comes to their physics yeah if they kind of established that she was quite far away, it would make sense. But she's literally a table or a step across from him. And I just think, oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> it, it was a bit like, oh, okay. You're missing and you're meant to be skilled? What the fuck? Yeah. But do you want to talk about Selena? Yeah, I feel like we have to. Yeah. I feel like, because again, watching the trailers and seeing all the commercial content, I was worried that there was still ground too many people and that Catwoman was going to be a big letdown as well as, well as the penguin hmm. but she did good i felt like i think she was a really good catwoman uh, she was i don't think she was again i'm comparing it to the dark knight trilogy i did quite like anne hathaway in the dark knight rises and See, I, I just don't remember in the dark knight rises like this catwoman i can distinctly remember that's whenever i try to think of, i didn't even know it was anne hathaway oh really but i just like trying to think back i think like she had i just remember her because of her latex suit uh but yeah, yeah. you would <laughs> yeah <laughs> however what i was going to go on to was that this one is actually more memorable and unlike anne hathaway's character you maybe actually want to see her in a future film like there's so many opportunities that she could go on now and like is she going to get a tv show on one of the two tv shows they commissioned or is she going to be a prominent <sighs> role in the second film 
God knows. But she'll you actually won't be fair. I can imagine they've, they've got to bring her back. That's what I've been told elsewhere. And I, I, I kind of get that. But headlining a TV show is quite huge. Like if the Batman is on a different route to Selena now, and if they can't get a way to connect the two, their two different stories, then maybe she deserves that TV role as opposed to being sidelined in the sequel to Batman again. Yeah, like maybe. how Wonder did in Wonder Vision, but actually make it a good television show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't fuck it up like four episodes in. But we can't go an episode without mentioning Doctor Who or its associated spin offs. So I'm going to mention this. Well, I did kind of mention Matt Smith about 10 minutes ago. However, yes. uh, have you seen Torchwood Miracle Day? I've not seen any Torchwood. We know this. Well, I didn't know this because I forgot. But <laughs> uh, there's a thread in series four of Torchwood where they use, you know, the eye things to see their perspective. Um, and Torchwood actually, and as you know, Children of Earth did it, series three, and then they reused it in Miracle Day, series four. And it was executed really well in Children of Earth and Miracle Day. And um, maybe they drew an inspiration, but I think it's just a very general kind of thing. But yeah, I found that dynamic really interesting in terms of, the scene where Selena is actively calling Bruce again, or the Batman, because before she finds the recording of her uh, roommate, I think it was, or it wasn't her sister, it was definitely her roommate. Roommate. Yeah, her roommate being tortured and killed and strangled, and then she's just there, like, in the bathroom, waiting for Batman to return with the little sticky note, saying, where are you? I need you. And you see the cat. And so, yeah, it was just really interesting to see how their dynamic unfolded in a similar way to how it was on Torchwood. If you are going to watch it, Series 2, Series 3, great television. I'll watch it at some point, but I've got, I've got better things to watch. Oh, yes, Mean Girls 4. Sure. That's White Light Saga. <laughs> Leave it alone. <laughs> the, what's the one you've been um, watching recently? Hang on. Oh, Resident Evil. Oh, I finished that friend, right? Yeah, yeah, you watched all of Resident Evil, but you still haven't watched the bloody Shawshank Redemption. Yes. And you haven't watched Torchwood. <laughs> yes. Oh, dear God. But um, back to the Batman. That that would be good to pad out the runtime of this episode, but back to well, the Batman. What, just you exposing me? <laughs> yeah, you need to watch better films other than Resident Evil. What do Evil. you mean? What do you mean? What do you, you haven't seen Insta? You haven't you seen Space uh, Space Odyssey, right? Yes, yes. What do you think of that? Boring. Agreed. All right, Batman. Right, get Batman. us back on track. Dun, 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 dun. Well, I think <laughs> we've covered like the side characters, and we would yes. be remiss if we didn't talk about the Joker scene. This is very Marmitey. Some people are saying it's crap. Some uh, some people are saying it's fantastic. Well, more exclusively, the deleted one, not that one that was on the film. Oh, yeah, let's clarify. We're talking about the deleted scene that was released. Like, I was gone. interrupted. <laughs> so, gone. So, so, yeah. Someone walked into my room. So, yes, to clarify the scene that was released two or three days before the recording, what did you think, Phil? I'm pushing the question to you. Well, I, I think I've got an idea of what you think, but personally, mm. I really, really, really like it as a deleted scene. Okay. I think if the scene was in the film, it would have ruined the film completely. Because I love the scene. I really, I appreciate the scene. I love, um, I don't know the actor's full name, but Barry, I don't know, it's his first name. I think. I really, 
Yeah, Barry. Yeah, Barry. <laughs> I really like Barry's Joker and the dynamic he has with Batman in that scene. The dialogue is so crisp. But if it was in the film, I think it would have ruined it because it just kind of spells out all the themes and the like symbolisms of the Riddler and Batman's relationship in the film. But it just spells yeah. it out. But as a deleted scene, I can watch it like after the fact and appreciate it a lot more. Exactly. I, how I feel, yeah. And I just really like his Joker interpretation. I like how he looks like he's, you know, he's really fucking scary, to be honest. Mm. Like, since he's Joker, he's probably the scariest Joker design going. Because that mouth is, dear God, like, they kind of horrifying. Quite far away from the actual source material of, like, the Joker's look, I think. Like, you oh, don't I, see I the teeth it. It that looks, far out. I love it. I think it looks so good. How will it look if you're seeing him throughout a film, though? Will it look comical? Will it get a bit tiresome? Gimmicky is the word. Well, if it's treated rightly, like, if they treat like how they did the Riddler, because his design was, like, to boil it down, he were basically wearing a gimp suit for the whole film. Like, <laughs> we can't run passes. He was wearing, like, He just needed the suit. panel. But and then he, he was still it. scary. Like, he was still intimidating. And then when he's out of the costume, you just see he's, like, some, like, kid, like, some whiny little brat and that works quite well but this Joker if they keep what they did in that deleted scene out for a whole film I would love it because it's kind of finally a Joker who's just kind of insane not in like the I'm gonna have damage tattoo on my forehead way <laughs> yeah I don't think no matter what that barricade it's not gonna surpass Heath Ledger's performance and portrayal of the Joker from The Dark Knight I think we can both, and everyone can agree on that, that Heath Ledger is like, delivered the pinnacle of the Joker performances. Or would you disagree? I know, because my, my like, relationship, that's yes, my relationship with Joker trails, but, like, I'm a big fan of Jack Nicholson's Joker, and I... Oh, yeah, he's good. I, I can't say I can prefer him over Heath, but there's a lot to appreciate with every interpretation of the Joker, bar one. <laughs> yes. Jared like, Jared like even the ones in Gotham like obviously they're not better than the ones in film but I really appreciate them and I'm just excited to see what Barry's Joker does bring to the table because he seems to be going down the path of well, like a more because Heath was yeah he was insane he did like crazy things in the film but he always had like not a line he didn't cross but like he never did anything like kill a child or anything you know what I mean? Like he, he like I couldn't yeah. just see him walking up to a child and stabbing it and then walking away. <laughs> yes. Like like, like yeah, a crazy yeah. lunatic. Whereas with Barry's one, I could see that I could see that fucking dude just go up to an orphanage and burn it down. Yeah, I, I get I get your point. It's just like again about the damage thing across the foreheads. Like you don't need that because you can clearly see that you don't even have to see him laughing, but just showing off his face, you just think, Holy crap, this guy is unhinged. Like the the mouth is so far away, it looks like a dog. You know what I mean? So it's like this guy could cut your throat with his teeth. It's like really unnerving, and that's exactly. all really the appearance. Yeah, I agree. And also his yeah. laugh, like I I really like his laugh. Yeah, the laugh is great. I need to watch the Dark Knight again, man. <laughs> all this review is doing is making me want to rewatch that because we have to wait like another three years for the sequel. So. Why not go back and live out the best days? And I have been just watching that deleted scene, not on repeat, but I've watched it like a like a few good times now. Because I've been I watching just... it for three days since it came out. I've not stopped. <laughs> I've been watching it so much that we've had to delay this recording so much. <laughs> so I'm going to keep watching it. <laughs> oh, that explains why we had to delay tonight a bit. 
I had to fit it in like 20 more times before I could do this review. <laughs> oh, dear God, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm on the same page as you. I do like the scene, but I'm glad it was cut. And I think it has more of an impact culturally as a deleted scene. I think less people would talk about it than if it was a deleted scene now, which it is. And that's only because it depends on how it would have been slotted into the film. Would it have been around the middle point, which I think it would have been like about maybe two thirds of the way through as opposed to the climax or just yeah. before the climax? Because I think it may, depending on where it was laid, like put into the sequence of the film, the timeline, would it have overshadowed or would it have been overshadowed by the same practically shot interrogation scene with the Riddler? And I think well, it would. Either way. I don't, that is a great... I don't actually know where it would slot in because in the scene, he's like asking Joker for advice on who the Riddler is and stuff. Yeah. And that he mentions that he's already killed the mayor and commissioner. So it's after those two. Mm. But like, I, I couldn't... Like if I was to watch that man, I couldn't think of a particular scene where oh yeah if i slotted this deleted scene in it would work well i feel like it's it's good that they didn't use it because i think it would have felt really out of place if they did yeah i think maybe nah i, I don't know where it would have been to be honest straight from like the iceberg lounge just to then him in freaking prison yeah where is he where is he what did you do <laughs> that fucking scene oh i said that as i mean i'm gonna chuck it up on the uh edit now so people can watch it on youtube maybe not the uh audio version but yeah where are they killing is making a choice where are they choose between one life or the other i think we've covered all our bases yes we have um now this film we're like we criticized things that we wanted changed yesterday or like whenever we recorded i think it was yesterday yeah it was yesterday yeah and i think the more and more we talked about it, the more and more I realised that this film did something and it stuck to its guns and it didn't take anything integral to the film to make it great. It instead substituted it for something that it wanted to do specifically on that route. So we could have had more development with Alfred, but it's a Batman film ultimately. So they focus on Batman and that's, absolutely prevalent across the film so i respect the hell out of this film feel any final notes before we go into the audience interaction and schools um the story was good <laughs> i like the riddles you liked the riddles yes he lies still <laughs> oh yeah that 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 was good to be fair i i did enjoy that and even the second time around i couldn't remember it so i was like wait what is the and then I was like, oh, I am an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's the, oh, the one they use in all the trailers. They're like, if you are guesses, do not lie. Yeah. What to is be, the fight? You will find fair, Which is even a riddle, it's just a fucking question at that point. Though. Exactly. The thing is, uh, to the people that I may have seen my letterbox review when I first did it, I think I said all the real somewhere, fans. all the real fans, go follow us on Airbox, both of us. Um, I believe I said somewhere that some criticisms I had the first time didn't hold up on a rewatch. So the first time we went to the cinema, I was like, why is the commissioner always reading out the riddle? Like, surely we can, like, he can clearly see what the riddle is. So why are you just telling him in his ear 
the riddle itself. And then I thought, okay, it's kind of justified because of like the visually impaired. So like audio would help as well. Like there's no reason for not to have audio. But I just felt like it was unnecessary exposition because you can see and you can see the riddle. So it doesn't need to be said. But the second time I kind of just accepted it and I it was less of a problem. Was that a thing for you as well? Like, did it get on your nerves when he kept speaking the riddles out? Like, um, Batman never did. It was always the commissioner. Uh, I don't know. It's like a thing of, well whenever, well, whenever anyone reads a riddle, I swear you read it out to yourself anyway, because reading something is different to, like, um, like speaking out loud is different to just reading it in your head. Because when you say it out loud, you start to put more possibilities together. So probably Jim was just like, um, if he is white, then you know. And then Batman was just like, well, I'm intelligent, so I know the answer. <laughs> uh, fair enough. But yeah, that wasn't a problem the second time around. And again, there were like one or two other things, like minute things. That was never a problem. Like, um, at the end, I found the ending really rushed the first time around. And then the second time around, I thought, no, it's absolutely fine. But the one problem I still had, well, I actually developed on the second time around. You know where he pulls the people out of the wreckage? And it, this is so small a nitpick as well. When he gets all the people out of the wreckage, he, like, leads this one person away for us. I mean, he's like a little girl or whatever. And then we cut to a high shot. And then all of a sudden there's about 30 people behind him. And I just think, okay, so we had this like really long shot. And by that, I mean like a really 30 second long shot of people coming out. And then you see about six or seven people come out in that time. And then all of a sudden, high shot. And then there's about 20, 25, 30 of them. And I just think, you know what? That's a tiny nitpick. It's for spectacle. Just go with it. And like, that's one small problem that's substituted for a huge problem i had the first time which was a rest resolution uh but yeah i really liked the resolution to this and more so um you know the name drop when it name dropped its own title in the film and it's like oh we're coming to the end of what the batman and it's like okay so that's the bit where like we're on that journey the film did incredible legwork to get up to that point where it completely invested as audience members and we want a climax by that point in terms of okay so we're ready for the climax to happen now and then when he name drops the batman as you know potentially ending soon we're like okay rain's back in 100 percent mode as opposed to like 90 percent and now we're going to focus because this is going to be really entertaining and it did it it name drops when a film name drops sometimes it's like crappy but this film does it in a clever way and i do think it has a lot of impact and every single time again twice i've only seen the film <laughs> twice every single time i kind of get chills and i think so did the audience because when that happens i just felt like subconsciously everybody kind of perked up a bit everyone kind of was like hmm i don't know if you did but yeah i really enjoyed that well i think they were dropping his name the whole time because every letter was addressed to the batman <laughs> Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> when they just go silent and says, the Batman. Oh, dear God. But yeah, I think we should move on into the audience interaction section, don't you think, Theodore? Yes, William. Hard cut. <laughs> so, on Twitter, Jamie Marybazza 494 said, if I didn't have parents who disliked the cinemas as well as mock exams at the moment, I would have seen it by now. Thank you for that insight. Um... Alex Spiddleston said, for a first-time DC experience and as a Batman experience, I couldn't have wished for anything better. Alex, please watch The Dark Knight. Actually, watch Batman Begins before, but yeah, for a first film, 
this is pretty fantastic to start on. Uh, Jonathan, the that movie bud said Batman showing his true detective skills and love how no the the grandma on this is not good. Batman showing his true detective skills and love how they deal with psychology of a nocturnal animal. Your favorite bit of dialogue. I'm a nocturnal animal. Um, loved it even more the second time. Great pacing, which we've agreed with. Amazing acting and Riddler was great. And then to spoil the party, uh, Michael Multiverse of Mike Nuss said, Decent, but not the great cinematic masterpiece some claim. Too long. First half is too slow. Far too slow, actually. Some poor direction and acting choices, but a second half that overall much improved. Seventh best Batman film. Blimey. And then (laughs) I gave a reaction video and then I asked him, to elaborate and then he elaborated with this he said sure well whatever Paul Dano was doing in the last act just had the entire screen and I was in laughing oh okay so his whole screening was laughing at Paul Dano okay so it definitely wasn't just me um English aristocrat Oswald Cobblepot is somehow a broad Italian American stereotype called Oz Bruce uh, called Oz Bruce goes too far into over-the-top emo. He literally shouts, you're not my real dad. Direction-wise, the use of over-the-top slow-mo for every entrance was both overdone and laughably cheesy. The action is generic, boring, and lacks any punch. I absolutely disagree with that last bit. Too many point-of-view shots and the narrative doesn't work. Coming off like a bad, raw starch impression, most of the last act feels tacked on. I can vouch for that to be fair the last bit of that just feel very taxing um, conversely the point that Batman realises he just can't be vengeance and should be a symbol for hope too is my favourite part of the film as is the symbolism that he drops himself into the water literally baptising and reborn as the heroic Batman everyone's ignoring this sadly did you notice that he's saying symbolism of Batman falling into the water and then being reborn as Batman and not just vengeance as a man who had to go to Christian school, I <laughs> thought it was time to do a baptism. Okay. Yeah, Michael is also a Christian, so that kind of makes sense. I'm uh, not a Christian, I just had to go to a Christian school. Oh, uh, unlucky you. How was that? Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So on Letterboxd, we have some reviews, of course. <laughs> Okay, so Clack of the Geek gave it a 4.5. Call of gave it a 4. Feudal Stokes gave it a... Yeah. <laughs> Marvel Man and basically Michael Wilson gave it a 3.5. Uh, 8 Bean Soup gave it a 3.5. Helen underscore S gave it a 3.5. Helis gave it a 5 star. K Carries 31 gave it a 4 star. Dan underscore Z underscore 1 gave it a 4.5 star. A surprising lack of five stars so far. Holy crap, I thought it was more popular than this. Harry Membry gave it a four star. George Papart's 17 gave it a four and a half. Bigfoot Anon gave it a five. Gabe gave it a four and a half. Joe Ellis gave it four five star reviews. Joe DeCon gave it a four star. Annie Kronik Designs gave it a five star. Luke gave it a five star. Shock Obster gave it a 4.5. Aiden gave it a 4.5. And Matt Hall gave it a five star it definitely isn't a five star in my opinion that's why i think a lot of people aren't giving it a five star and i have Mm. noticed that four stars are now overtaking five stars by quite a good margin now like it's very good but it's not perfect and i think i for some odd reason i think a lot of people went into this film giving it a five star regardless of quality but again 
opinions are opinions in it so yeah Theodore would you like to impart your score and conclusion onto me and the audience please in my humble opinion yes this is the best Batman film <gasps> not necessarily the best film but I think this film gets Batman down to a T gotcha I love all the actors I love the story I love the themes and ideals and the symbolism even though I kind of bitched about them earlier <laughs> and overall this film hits hard and the soundtrack absolutely slaps I give it a 4.5 out of 5 very good 3.5 fucking 3.5 4.5 nice uh, I said an incredible accomplishment that I'm going to study in the coming weeks and years. A lot of different techniques are on show here, whether it be practical or editorial. The use of light, the use of music, the use of vignette, and the use of soundscape and its multiple layers. I'm generalizing because there are a lot of different things the film does. Thanks to Theo, me and Cole were able to watch this at quite possibly the best venue you could experience this at. So perhaps some things we experienced would not be experienced by the folk that watched this in standard definition, aka 2D. Yes. Um, this, and I would like to thank you again for that experience because it was very good and I did love the film. Um, I left a hole in my pocket. <laughs> Um, this does not feel like a three hour film to the point that this climatic sequence feels like it could have been dragged out a bit in order to add more emotional weight I felt just though it jumped quickly over the devastation failing to establish any jump in time for the disaster which I do disagree with in retrospect by the way it had done incredible legwork up until that point just to tie things up quickly for a heroic savior moment with more dramatic voiceover and that is something I do agree with I do think they tied things up quickly for a heroic savior moment and there's problems with that as we've touched upon but yeah this film doesn't feel like a three hour one i've experienced 90 minute films that feel like three hour films and the batman feels exactly the opposite i don't understand the pacing criticism still as i tried to get across in the previous paragraph i do agree with the criticism that it lost its way in the final act a bit although that's a general sentiment as i try to stay away from reading any opinions slash reviews prior to watching it for the first time and again this is my review for the first time i did log it for the second time on the rewatch but i didn't re-review because i couldn't be asked uh, so i disagree with all the criticisms that i saw prior to watching bar one we myself feel cole practically all agree that this was a very good incredibly made film the car chase sequence is single-handedly the best scene I've seen on the big screen, not just for the marvel of the set piece, but because of the subversion of expectations, the writing, it was so clever and unexpected throughout the film. I'm dabbling between a 4 and a 4.5, but I think it's worthy of a near-perfect score, although it's not perfect and it has a handful of small problems. Very damn good, and I gave it a 4.5, so the average, of course, comes to a 4.5 out of 5. Theo, I swear to God, we are just agreeing with each other a lot recently. We've got a Sorry. lot of similar scores out of these movies that we've yeah, we're, sad, we're syncing up a bit here. Yes, we do have very similar tastes, but you just rate Home Alone two too harshly. Oh, well, I'm sure that we'll get to some some disagreements soon. Don't worry, I'm uh, sure we'll get sure. to some arguments. What what are we actually reviewing soon? Let's find out because in the previous episode we didn't say what was coming up next time. I don't think. But yeah, next month we'll be reviewing Halloween, the first timeline. So I think we agreed to do like three or maybe four films for that episode. So yeah, that shouldn't be too bad. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for you for being a great co-host again. 
Thank you. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for watching. Please give us some five star ratings on Apple and Spotify. Uh, if you're listening or watching this on YouTube, do give us a comment, give us a like. Let's hit, well, I don't know, it's 10 likes uh, for this episode. We have been getting like eight or nine likes recently, seven, eight, nine likes. So let's try and hit 10 again for the first time in a couple of weeks, uh, or a couple of months, should I say, a couple of episodes. So yeah, see you guys next month. Thank you for watching. Goodbye. Adios. Sayonara. Montebene. Mm, <laughs> Alonzi. Okay, goodbye. Geronimo.